On this week's edition of New York Now, New York City Mayor Eric Adams could be in legal trouble. We'll explain with John Campbell from WNYC. Then, an update on graduation standards in New York schools. And later, New York City housing vouchers can now be used outside the five boroughs. We'll discuss. Plus, resources for caregivers. I'm Dan Clark, and this is New York Now. Today, the Senate majority Welcome to this week's edition of New York Now. I'm Dan Clark. For the past few weeks, something's been happening in New York City. It started two weeks ago when the FBI raided the home of Brianna Suggs, who ran fundraising for New York City Mayor Eric Adams when he was running for that office in 2021. Time, the mayor was in D.C. trying to make progress on the city's migrant crisis. But after the news broke about the FBI and his chief fundraiser, Adams canceled his meetings and flew back home. A few days later, the FBI approached Adams in public and seized his electronic devices. And so far, Adams himself has not been accused of any wrongdoing and has defended his campaign in news reports. That hasn't stopped political insiders from chatting about his future and the next election for New York City mayor. And for now, Governor Kathy Hochul said this week she's sticking by him. I will not be addressing any prospects of a primary in New York City. I'm working with the mayor and working on issues that are uh, our common interest. I, I also represent the city of New York. We have a lot of issues we're working on, particularly public safety in this environment, which has been uniquely challenging. So we're going to keep working together. Let's break it down with John Campbell from WNIC and Gothamist. John, thank you for coming as always. Thanks for having me, Dan. So what is the FBI looking into here? It feels like I've been reading a lot over the past week about Mayor Adams and the country of Turkey. So what is the FBI looking into, I guess? Well, what we know broadly is they're looking into the mayor and his administration and his campaign's ties to the Republic of Turkey. And we know that in part because the New York Times obtained part of the, the search warrant, but they look for it, what they're looking for. But we also know because they're looking at KSK, which is a, a Turkish uh, immigrant-owned construction company. We know that the mayor has taken several trips to Turkey. We know that the, he's taken those on Turkish airlines. We know that he's taken those uh, partially paid for by the Turkish consulate. So there's... A lot of ties there. The, the mayor says it's simply because there's a large Turkish population in New York City. He often calls New York City the Istanbul of America. Okay. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure what that means, but he says it often. Uh, and, and so there's a lot of, of smoke there. And what the, the mayor said at one point is where there's smoke, there's not always fire. But that's why the, the FBI is looking into it, and that's why a lot of the press corps is looking into it now. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff coming out about people in his administration that have kind of like been on the outskirts but have been very public mm -hmm. that maybe have done some things that weren't quite as ethical but kind of unrelated to Turkey. That's why I'm so confused about this because Turkey has come up and then like other people come up that aren't related to Turkey. So I guess from what we know, how does this move forward with the FBI and the mayor? Are they just going to keep on looking and see if they find anything, I guess? It's, it's kind of a waiting game at this point. We know that the mayor has turned over his devices, his cell phones and iPad. Um, a lot of this we've learned from the New York Times, which which has really kind of led the way on this reporting. But 
we know that that they have devices, they have paperwork, they have have interviewed uh, some some folks uh, that are connected to the campaign. Brianna Suggs was the the first person we learned about the mayor's fundraiser who was had her home searched by the FBI. And that's what led to all of this. While the mayor, <clears throat> excuse me, was on the way to Washington, D.C., he learned about this, this raid on one of his, his top campaign staffers' homes and turned around, came back. So the mayor is obviously taking this very seriously. And, and that's why it's gaining quite a bit of attention. You know, what has he said, the mayor? I know I, I've read a few things that he said. It seems like he's saying... You know, nothing to see here, that kind of thing. But you tell me, has he said anything substantial about the investigation? Well, there's two things that, that I would point to. One, the mayor has said over and over and over and over again that he tells his campaign, follow the law, follow mm -hmm. the law. And it's also important to note, too, that the mayor has not been accused of any wrongdoing right. at this point. But the other part of this as well is he said that if there was somebody that, that acted, you know, incorrectly or, or, or fraudulently, whatever, uh, that he'd be very disappointed. So he's allowing that if, that, that if there's somebody within his campaign, he's allowing for that possibility. Uh, that is, you know, something that we're going to closely watch. That's something that kind of raises eyebrows. And, yeah. you know, and now it's just kind of the waiting game to see what happens next. You know, let's say we don't have anything happen or something does happen. How does this affect the mayor politically? He's up for re-election in 2025 few years away, fortunately, for the election cycle and for us covering it. How does this affect his chances in that race, do you think? Do, would we see more challengers come than maybe we were expecting? Well, I mean, listen, it, it's not good politically when you're, you're under investigation, but previous mayors have survived investigations because, in part, the, those investigations never resulted in charges against the mayor. Right. Um, but you have heard chatter about people kind of testing the waters to see if maybe they'll they'll challenge the mayor in a Democratic primary. Um, we're here in Albany and and two state senators are, are two people that are frequently mentioned there as possibilities. Zellner Myrie, he's a, uh, a Brooklyn Democrat, and Jessica Ramos, who's a Queens Democrat. So there has been chatter of a, a primary, but nobody is quite taken that leap yet. Yeah, and I think it's probably too early, right? If you start a campaign for mayor two years early, that's before the presidential candidates are even really getting going in an election. You know? Yeah, well, I mean, listen, 2024 is the next big election, and right. that's the presidential race, and that is going to take all the oxygen out of the room. But, you know, in New York City, 2025, that's going to be the big deal, and, and, and that... <laughs> There'll be plenty of oxygen left. Yeah, I'm curious because in 2021, that's when they first had ranked choice voting and that played into Adams winning. And I'm curious about in 2025, if he can use that system again to try to beat out the competition. I guess. Yeah, and you see alliances form between candidates saying, hey, I'm uh, rank me first, but maybe rank this candidate second. You know, another yeah. person that we should mention too, Catherine Garcia is, is a top aide to Governor Hochul. She was very close to winning that Democratic uh, mayoral primary back in 2021. Will she get into the race? That's another kind of outstanding question, although we haven't really heard much smoke there. Right, exactly. So we have to leave it there. We're out of time. John Campbell from WNYC, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Moving on now to education in New York. A few months ago, we told you how the State Education Department was considering new graduation standards for high school students. And this week, Recommendations for those new standards were unveiled by a special commission. Chantel Destra reports. The most important work of this board is to get the graduation measures correct. We have to get it right. 
And we started this work pre-pandemic, and now we are here. Members of the Blue Ribbon Commission were tasked with coming up with recommendations for graduation measures in New York State. After years of heavy research and mitigating challenges brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic, the time had finally come for its members to present their recommendations after hearing from parents, students, and education stakeholders. I am beyond excited and pleased to be here today to share the Blue Ribbon Commission's recommendations on future graduation measures in New York State. The commission shared a refined portrait of a graduate in New York State, along with 12 recommendations to the Board of Regents. The biggest change would do away with the current diploma system that places an emphasis on Regents exams and instead has one diploma with the option of adding seals and endorsements. The commission recommended changing the diploma assessment requirements so that they're not so centered on Regents, but allow students to demonstrate their abilities in other ways. While the commission recognized the value of Regents exams as valid, reliable, and efficient assessment for determined student proficiency, by providing assessment flexibility, students could demonstrate content knowledge in a way that best suits their individual strengths and talents. Some other changes included revising credit requirements, providing access to career learning opportunities, and requiring professional development for teachers. While the commission has put forth recommendations to the Board of Regents, the work does not end there. The Regents asked how the changes will be put in place, but that is still to be determined and will require input from the department itself. Education Commissioner Betty Rosa closed out the meeting, highlighting the work ahead. We will go into looking at each recommendation and the implications and the work that has to be attached to it. Some of it is going to have regulatory, financial, so the next step will be focus on the implementation. Thank you. And we'll have more on those changes in the coming weeks. Heading back now to New York City, where the city's shelter system has been overwhelmed because of the influx of asylum seekers over the past two years. And to help combat that problem, the city expanded its rental voucher program to allow people without homes to use them outside the five boroughs. And we should note that the asylum seekers actually are not eligible for these vouchers. But some county executives upstate have spoken against the expansion, saying they don't want the vouchers used in their communities. So for more on that, our Chantel Destra spoke with Dan McCoy, the county executive in Albany and president of the State Association of Counties. Thank you so much for being here today, county executive. Thank you for having me on your show. I really do appreciate it. So you recently came out and denounced New York City's expansion of its rental voucher program to counties outside of the city. So can you give us some insight into your opposition? It wasn't like, you know, listen, first and foremost, uh, you know, I'm here as president of New York State Association of Counties, and I want to thank Steve Aquario and his team. Um, you know, been re representing over counties for almost 100 years now. And, you know, there's 57 counties outside New York City. You got the five boroughs downstate. And, you know, again, we're all facing uh, a, a epidemic with homelessness, mm -hmm. uh, shelters that we need shelters. Like in Ormond County, we had eight shelters. Now we're down to six. One's selling, we're going to be down to five. 
Uh, we got a shortages of beds. Uh, and then we have like 37% of our people that we, we give vouchers for housing. Uh, can't even use them because they can't find housing. So housing is an issue, not just in Albany County, but throughout the Capital District and upstate New York. And, you know, when you're talking from Clinton County out to Erie, Monroe, St. Lawrence County, down to Wyoming, and then back down to the city, Putnam and all that area in Orange and Westchester and Dutchess, it's challenging. And, you know, for us as not just county executives, as as, ma as county managers and every you know county, it's not like people are saying we're against this. We're you know, mm -hmm. but we're having issues of our own. And as as the governor Hogel has tried to do affordable housing, um, one thing I've learned uh, being president of this organization and president of County Executives of America on a national level is that as I traveled and looked at how people address it, you can't build yourself out of this. It's not. It's right. you. You can't. It's not impossible. But you have to think outside the box, like tiny homes, trailers. Um, but it's the same issues we're faced with, supply and demand after COVID. It's hard when you go to build a house that used to say, say it took three months. Now, now it's taking almost a year because you're waiting on supply. And you'd go from 200 to $400 a square foot outside the city, and that's even higher now. Mm -hmm. So, and then, you know, it, it, it's all these challenges that are put in front of us. And uh, we understand Mayor uh, Eric Adams have a great relationship with him. Uh, Steve Aquario took a delegation of, of representatives from NISAC. We went down and talked to him on a variety of issues. Um, you know, and we said, look, we, we want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Uh, but it's communications, right? And at a time in this country, you know, we need to communicate. We need to get back to common sense politics and taking care of the people. Um, but there's a lot of issues that factor into this coming out of COVID-19. Right, coming out of COVID, we we we've you know people coming out, they they had relapses in you know whether it was drinking or drugs or just mental health issues. Children, mental health issues are on the rise that we never dealt with it to this level after COVID, um, and then the homeless epidemic. Mm -hmm. So you know, I, and and I know like everyone talks about the uh, you know people coming here to start a new life and yeah. and they, they want to come to this country because they're being prosecuted or want to live the way they want to live in life and make a better life for themselves and mm -hmm. their family. We're dealing with that, but county executives, county managers, we got so much other stuff going on too. We have yeah. a homeless shelter mm -hmm. problem going on. Uh, in Albany County, we have over 732 people homeless every night. Mm -hmm. You know, and and what it's alarming to me is when we look at the, you know, I have 139 women in our shelters right now. Um, I have 172 kids under the age of 18 that are in our shelters that I'm trying to get permanent housing for. And then, like I said earlier, 37%, I can't even, even though I give them a voucher, I can't take care of it. So if New York City wants to take this voucher system and saying, hey, go anywhere you want in the state without coordinating with us, kind of what happened with the, you know, the migrant issue when mm -hmm. they just got shipped out overnight in the city uh, into other communities, uh, there has to be a game plan. There has to be a plan of action in talking to, to the different counties. Because again, in the capital region, you're talking about 1,100 people that are homeless every night between us, Schenectady, Saratoga, Rensselaer, um, you know, that's, you know, Glens Falls and the whole area. That's a lot of people. And, and again, we, we, we have compassion. We want to do what's right, but we have to take care of the people in the community first. And we're dealing with this shortage of housing, mm -hmm. shortage of shelters, um, mental health facilities. 
uh, you know, and then now, you know, the migrant issue going on. So these are all things that, you know, we need leadership right. on the federal and state level. Mm -hmm. uh, we need leadership and we want to do it. And that was my next question, actually, because Sorry. I just, no, it's okay. I just moved here from New York City, actually, about mm -hmm. two months ago from New York City to Albany County. And one of the things it's that struck here, me. beautiful right? Yeah, Tell so everyone beautiful. you grew up they should move to Albany. So Alabama, beautiful Alabama. here. But one of the things that struck me was the similarities between New York City and Albany County as it relates to the homeless crisis and the homeless population. Um, it definitely is a very big problem here, as you underscore. So is there any fear that the expansion of the New York City rental voucher program will sort of, you know, negatively impact the homelessness population here? And is there anything that Albany County is doing specifically, or even other counties across the state, I know you mentioned tiny homes, that are doing to address the homelessness population um, that you would employ the New York City um, County to do as well? One of the issues is, is that it's a coordinated effort, right? We didn't hear about it. So, you know, again, uh, I give Steve Aquario and his team at, at, at NYSAC uh, big applause because again we have to react to it and and it's hard when you have to react and your phone's ringing saying did you mm -hmm. read what they you know uh, they just put out about a voucher system and you know and then the you know the governor got behind it and we just had a meeting with the governor prior to that and nothing was mentioned so it, it's hard right so so uh, it's better. We say we, we want to be good partners. We want to roll up our sleeves, but communicate with us, communicate with the counties. Uh, stop dictating to us to what we should do and can't do. Um, and we can help you, you, you know, and uh, trust me when I say this, there's not a county executive, county manager, or county government or state uh, uh, government or city government that wants to say no. But again, when you're, you're coming out of COVID, you got all these other homeless epidemic crisis going on, drug epidemic, and you're faced with all these challenges and adding more to the, the challenges is tough, but hey, we're resilient <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and we'll figure it out, but talk to us, bring us to the table, right. sit down and say, we might not be happy, but it's better for me to control it coming in mm -hmm. than just to find out a busload shows up with, with vouchers for five years. And they, I don't, my understanding is it's a five-year voucher that they're going to pay for everything. But after 30 days, they become a resident of our county. So then my safety net kicks in, which the previous governor now makes me pay 70% of through DSS. So there's all this money that's going to be betrayed in that. And, and then what do I do? Do I play political stunt, which I may, and, and take all of our homeless uh, shelters and people, move, boss them down to New York City, Put them Would in hotels for that? twenty yeah, for twenty four hours. Get vouchers and bring them back. Yeah. And New York City can pay for my my, my homeless people <laughs> for the next five years. Is that something you're considering? If there's communications, I, and I don't want to play political stunt, but right, if they, yeah. but if the, and these are people's lives, and I want to make this first and foremost. The people that are living in shelters, um, you know, I don't. They're not a chess match to me. You know, and that's why I said this ain't a Republican, Democrat, conservative working family issue. This is people's lives, and we keep forgetting that in 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 the humane of it. And that's why I said I could, right? I could play the biggest stunt, go down there, mm -hmm. make international news, and then you know. But again, at what the expense of moving people down right. there? But mm -hmm. the point I'm trying to underscore to you and to anyone watching this is that we're dealing with this crisis, mm -hmm. and and don't you know we have to you know what's that say about me? Now do I put you know try to put my people in shelters for five, you know into housing for five years? But again, let's go back. I have 37%, I can't even use vouchers because I can't find housing for people that we do have a voucher system for. So now to add this just makes it tougher on all of us. But again, mm -hmm. communicate, talk to us. Right. Just don't, you know, just don't throw it at us and expect us to smile and go, okay, you know, you know. Mm -hmm. um, again, it's human yeah. lives. We're talking people's lives here. Yeah. 
Is there any possibility of launching a legal challenge um, to New York City's expansion of its rental voucher program? It's it's too early to to, to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and again, I'm hoping. You know, like, what if every county, 57 counties, do what I do, mm-hmm. and we ship all right. of our, our our homeless people down to the city, put them up in hotels, and then the city has to turn around, and give them a five year voucher to just to come back. Mm-hmm. You know, I go, is that is that what we're going to do? Play chess? You know, right. but again. These are humans. Right. These are people we want to make sure we take care of. Yeah. They're fabric of our community, and we want them to stay in our community, and we want them to be successful in our community and give them a foundation to be successful. So I don't want to do that type of game. But again, they can't do the same thing, just shipping people out of city. And I understand if they got family in a certain area, but coordinate with us, you mm-hmm. know. And, and, and again, I know you get that they make a phone call and they're like, no, 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 no. But understand our issues. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you are running for re-election. I am. So, you know, how do you see this playing into the minds of voters as they head to the polls? you got to educate them. And, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm saying. The scary message is getting out there, right? Mm-hmm. You've seen, I think it was the Siena poll or one of the polls came out. Um, and 67% of New Yorkers said, enough, stop. Let's see, you know, uh, they're upset because a lot of resources are being allocated to them. And look, I follow what was going on in Chicago in the city council. Uh, the black and brown community were upset. They felt like, hey, look, you're investing $200 million. And where's our schools? Where's our investment in our community? That's the balancing act. And, 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 and people are seeing that. And, and you know, then I, I hear, you know, well, they get, they're getting free daycare. They're getting doctors. I can't afford daycare. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of real issues that we need to balance right. both sides of the house out yeah. and, and make sure that we're, we're taking care of it. But again, you need leadership. You need to talk about it and you need to put that, spin that message out there. And we're not spinning out there. We're, we're letting the bad actors spin, spin it out there where they're putting the fear into people because it's easier to make people scared than it is to make people sit there and go, hey, you know what? Yeah, we can do this. We're better mm-hmm. than this. Um, yeah, that's not, you know, this, this is, the world's not coming to an end. Your neighborhood's not going to burn down. We need leadership to mm-hmm. own this, to come with a message and go into a community. And that's all I said. I said, look, I want to go to the neighborhood associations. I want to go to the neighbors. I want to go to the colleges. I want to go to schools. Talk to them. Let them know, hey, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. And, and guess what? It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Yes, you're going to have some bad actors in that element, okay? But that happens with any population and even the citizens of this great country. Well, there's a lot here. And as you mentioned, there's so much still that needs to be done. A lot of communication needs to be had, it sounds like. So we'll continue to check in with you in the months ahead. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for being a resident of Albany County. It's the best county, just saying. (laughs) And that was Dan McCoy. Albany County Executive and President of the New York State Association of Counties. And we do expect housing to be a big issue in next year's legislative session. So we'll see how the voucher program plays into that as state government tries to expand housing across the state. But turning now to family in New York. As many of you know, it's not uncommon for family members to unexpectedly become caregivers. Many grandparents in particular have to step in and help care for their grandchildren. And in some cases, those grandparents become the child's permanent guardian when their immediate family falls out of the picture. So in this piece, we explore how kinship caregivers can ask for help and more resources when they need it. Life is much, much different than expected it to be moving into retirement. I expected that we would be traveling and sitting around on the beach. And instead, 
I'm getting up at six o'clock to put a middle schooler you know, on the bus and being there when the bus gets home, all those other things that uh, parents of a young child would be doing. I expected when August came to stay with us that it would be for a very brief period of time um, while um, her parents were kind of getting their act together and able to, to take August again, and that didn't happen. Um, we ended up with permanent custody of August. I had used the Kinship Navigator uh, program a couple of times. There are some really nice um, learning opportunities. A lot of um, the common issues that we are seeing our caregivers face um, is that a lot of them are grandparents who are battling some of those health issues as well as financial issues and housing issues. The process is kind of that people reach out um, and they say, hey, I'm a kinship caregiver, this is where I'm living, this is the needs that I have, and the kinship navigator will reach out to us and let us know that there's a need in our area. A lot of times these adults, they're taking on the custody through family court, even informally, but nobody's told them about their DSS services that they can get. If you're considering kinship care, I want you to know you're not alone. I find my grandchild a really just delightful person to have around, even on their most difficult days. And there are very many difficult days. Uh, there are also real joys and rewards to, uh, to tackling this. And it's turned into um, you know, my, my favorite relationship of all time. And the website for the Kinship Navigator program from Catholic Charities is again at nysnavigator.org. But before we go, a quick note. Earlier this year, we launched our newsletter, and thank you to everyone who signed up. But in August, we stopped sending it. I didn't know that until last week, and I want to deeply apologize for dropping the ball. It's now back in your inboxes as of last week, and we'll let you know if that'll change again. But we gotta leave it there for this week. Thanks for watching this week's New York Now. Have a great week, and be well. Funding for New York Now is provided by WNET and by the New York State Education Department.